0: With the swooping season in full swing, I'm sure everyone in Australia is familiar with magpies, their calls, and the time of year where they bombard us to protect their nests. So today on TuneFM, to learn a little bit more about their behaviour, why they do this, and how we can survive during spring, I'm here talking to Dr. Paul MacDonald from UNE, a bird behavioralist here at the University of New England. So thanks for coming on today, Paul, and having a chat with us. Nice, thanks for having me. So I suppose we all kind of have an understanding of why magpies swoop, but why is it that it always seems to be in like the same sort of areas? Yeah, it's very much a, uh,
1: a human traffic problem in that uh, nests that are more rural and don't see too many people too often, they don't tend to be the ones that swoop. It tends to be the more high traffic, you know, footpath, cycle path, out the front of schools, unfortunately, you know, things like that that tend to be the ones. And it really comes back to uh, positive enforcement, which is it's kind of a bit like a, almost a superstition. I'm sure we all have things that um, you, you see it in sort of sporting events and whatnot where you, know, you wore a particular shirt or something like that and something good happens so that becomes a lucky shirt or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Uh, that's kind of what positive reinforcement is and it's similar to what we see with magpies where all the, the swooping birds trying to do is move a potential threat from the area and particularly the footpath is a classic example where someone they might be nesting in a tree next to the footpath which is running you know left to right in front of the nest magpie swoops a person person continues to walking and disappears and leaves out of the territory so that's that positive reinforcement side and that link between every time i swoop the threat leaves you know and uh it doesn't really compute with them that if they didn't swoop, the person was going to leave anyway um, because their natural instinct is to try and move that on and hasten that process. So it then becomes amplified where, uh, because it worked last time, that's behaviour we're more likely to see the second time. So if you're the first person that swooped for the season, you might get a fairly high-level swoop, you know, 20, 30 metres above your head and a bit of a song, and that's about it. If you're the thousands person that's gone through past that nest, you're probably going to get something far more aggressive and uh, physical contact then becomes potential,
0: um, so yeah, it ramps up over the season. Has anyone ever been seriously injured from magpie swoops?
1: There, there have been a couple of cases. The, the main issue is with eyes, uh, in terms of they have a very, very sharp bill, uh, and if they do, normally they'll peck, normally they'll come behind uh, from behind rather than the direction the eyes are facing and they'll click their beak as they go past your face to make a bit more noise and make it a bit more dramatic as they get more aggressive that sort of clack of the bill near your head becomes uh, a bite in effect Um, so that can cause an injury but really the main injuries and there has been a couple of deaths unfortunately is where people panic and then they might say flee the footpath or bird and move into traffic or something Mm. like that and then it becomes a car accident so really the message is for people to be aware of their surroundings, and be aware, you know, particularly a problem if you've got headphones on or something like that and you know head down walking and that's easy to do. Uh, but you, if you're not aware the bird is there, then you're not picking up on the signals that they're potentially about to swoop. So it's about maintaining that awareness. Uh, and then um, you're not panicking. So running away from the bird's not gonna help. It's gonna amplify that swooping behavior for the next person, or indeed yourself, the next day, two weeks down the track when you're walking that same path. So better to slow down turn and orientate towards the bird, and then just move slowly outside the area. Um, that's your best bet, and that's the best way to reduce injuries.
0: So is there anything on our person or as people that makes us more likely to be a target, like someone who's wearing bright colors or they've got shiny things on their head, like sunnies or something?
1: There's there's lots of cool evidence with, uh, and we've just done some work with Noisy Miners actually, with uh, Lucy Farrow who's working in uh, science and tech uh, school. Um, that noisy miners can actually remember who was good to them and who was bad to them, in inverted commas, so they remember that information for a long time. There's been similar work done with American crows and that whole group, corvids as a group, which the magpies are part of, our magpies are part of. So it stands to reason that they would have a memory of who was good. So if lots of people, for example, provide food to magpies, there's a suggestion that if you feed them, then they're in turn nice to you. Sample size is pretty low on those studies, but (laughs) anecdotally the evidence is there. So, you know, if that person always wears a green shirt, you're wearing a green shirt, you're probably likely to experience less aggression. Whereas conversely, if, I don't know, there's one near a school and that school uniform, all the kids wear blue and some of those kids throw rocks at the nest, you wearing a blue shirt's probably not going to end too well. You experience a higher bit of aggression in response. So those sorts of things probably factor into it, but there's nothing innately you know, they don't dislike the color blue without any other stimulus associated with it. So, yeah.
0: So what are some ways we can mitigate this swooping behavior, at least for us personally? You mentioned feeding before, but there's caveats with that as well. Yeah,
1: yeah, I wouldn't... um, I think if swooping's a problem uh, in a local patch, so say uh, a lot of people might be on a bit of uh, property that might have a magpie, we've got a magpie at the front of our place at the moment. Um, Never been swooped by it, doesn't pay any attention to us, we're just part of the... The landscape we don't feed them Uh, but if you're in a situation like that where every time you walk out your house you you run into a problem bird then you know potentially trying that feeding approach might help the ones that you're seeing you know on the footpath or cycleway for example walking around uh, that's probably not a a great strategy to try and feed them that's not really something that people have time or or space to do and as you pointed out at the start there's all sorts of issues with running around providing extra food to, to all these different taxa um, so better to uh, just slow down, as I said, orientate so you keep yourself safe and you're aware of the bird. If you're looking straight at the magpie, um, it's not gonna, it, well, extremely, extremely unlikely it would come down to the point where it hits hit you. It, it'd probably sort of just fly overhead a metre or so above your head at worst, uh, in general. But wearing things like safety, um, uh, sunglasses at least, to cover your eyes, to protect from that point of view, a nice broad-brim hat, you see the cyclists with the uh, the, the cable tie yeah. spikes, yeah, yeah. The reason why they work so well is that um, it's not so much a deterrent, but the magpies will hit the, the outer edge. So if the outer edge of the helmet is your ear sticking out, they're going to mm-hmm. hit your ear. If it's you know thirty centimetres of cable tie, they'll hit the tip of that cable tie, and it's less of a problem. Um, so I think the the main things I would recommend is 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 just being calm and recognizing that you know, it's only a 50, 100 metre stretch of of cycleway or or walkway where it's an issue. It's only for a short period of of the year. The birds are just doing their best to protect their young. Slowing down, keeping yourself safe by having those coverings on, that's really the best thing you can do. There are, you know, people have reported problem birds to councils and um, they've been removed and taken elsewhere or euthanised. With the bird's social system that individual is very quickly replaced, particularly around Armidale. There's plenty of magpies, so you know, if one, um, I'm sure we've all unfortunately seen roadkill magpie about the place. So, if you know one falls over, there's another one that moves into that space pretty quickly. So, things like culling and so forth is not really the answer here. It's it's more about being um, being aware and keeping yourself safe so you don't get injured, and, and doubly so if you have you know things like small children with you, mm. that uh, pets as well are in that category that potentially may not be able to control their reactions as well as they should.
0: Yeah, and I wouldn't say it's particularly fair to euthanise a magpie that's just trying to protect its family. We, we can relate to that on a human level as well.
1: In, indeed, and they are excellent uh, in terms of their level of parental care, their cooperative system, they work together. Uh, it's not just the parents, it's, it's a whole family that, that raises the offspring. Um, there's a whole dominant system. Their, their behaviour is really quite fascinating. Um, they're obviously very bright in terms of high levels of cognition, Um, So, you know, working with them, uh, looking after and putting more time into a pair that's a problem around your house that you're interacting with all the time, it's worth the effort. But otherwise, it's just accepting that that's a few weeks and part of life in this part of the world. And, um, you know, just just being being aware so you keep yourself safe is the main thing.
0: How long does sweeping season last, usually?
1: It's normally only a few weeks. It, It can... Most of the time it's worse around when the chicks are in the nest and, and that relates sort of to the insurance policy. They, they might renest nest um, you know, if the eggs are lost very early on they might have enough resources and time to lay again so it's not worth them putting more time into risking defending that. But when you've got chicks that are just a few days away from leaving the nest significant resources and time have gone into that they may not have the chance to renest nest again if those chicks, something would happen to them so that's when you're going to see maximum defence around the nest. Uh, And typically after that, once the chicks fledge, we tend to see it drop right off. You still see um, individuals being swooped when they're around fledglings, but it it really tends to be more nest-focused.
0: And I think we're coming into sort of fledgling season now, right? So if anyone does see fledglings, what's the best way to behave around them?
1: Yeah, well, that's, uh, well, two things is often birds are at risk when they're in the nests.
0: So things like a a square-tailed
1: kite or another raptor like a goshawk, they're just sitting in a nest trying not to be eaten, really. Um, so they tend to leave the nest early before they can fly well. So we do tend to see a spike at this time of year where birds that have left the nest and fledged, there's nothing wrong with them. They're still being fed by the attendants, but they can't fly themselves. They tend to be picked up and taken into care. You're putting yourself at risk of being swooped at, th- at that point. And it's also the best thing for the bird is for it to stay in the, in the wild with its, um, with its family and be raised normally. So any time you come across a fledgling that's on on the ground, uh, if it looks like it's uh, vulnerable, particularly late in the afternoon where something like a cat or whatever might get it overnight, just pick it up and put it in a shrub or something like that so it's off the ground to keep it safe. That would be message number one. And message number two is just being aware and and giving them a bit of a wide berth. So if you see there's a whole group of magpies and there's two or three fledglings, a couple of attendants that are um, just next to the footpath, maybe just deviate your course and give them a bit more space and and time and that should minimise that disturbance and
0: potential risk. And for those who aren't familiar, what does a fledgling look like when compared to an adult magpie?
1: Yeah, it's uh, interesting plumage, both the um, adult males tend to be uh, brighter and have um, their black plumage is is more black and females tend to be a little bit duller and uh, parts of grey. And the young birds really are are that, but to another level. So where you might see an adult magpie have black plumage, they'll have really sort of smoky grey. You might see a bit of banding with white on that and so forth. And the the white areas on the plumage tend to be um, uh, less crisp, so a a sort of creamier colour. And often when they're really just out of the nest, you also see a bit of yellow at the the base of their bill, which is called their gape. Um, And that's a signal that lots of young birds have that, encourages feeding and makes their bill look larger and makes them look hungrier so the parents work harder to feed them so they retain that for a few weeks.
0: Alrighty well that's fantastic thank you so much for coming in today Paul. Nice thank you and uh, hopefully you all make some friends with magpies and stay safe and learn a bit more about one of the coolest native birds. Brilliant thank you.